Hello everyone, welcome to episode 19, Rookie Mistakes. It is 11 o'clock on a Monday, October 22nd. I am sick still. Do you know when you get sick and then usually you get better, but sometimes you start to get sick again even though you're recovering? I don't know why that's the case, but I have had a pretty bad cough and my nose is running like the freaking Colorado River. So that has not been fun. Hopefully I can hold it together for this episode. I just got done figuring out how I'm going to glue this mic I have for my camera back together. It broke in my bag and I have never been a handyman by any means. I have always struggled with things like that. So I had to figure out a way to glue my mic back together. Basically what happened is the part that attaches to the camera and then the part that is the actual microphone they broke off from each other so originally what i did is i just took a bunch of duct tape and i taped it up and it looked really really awful and it didn't really function properly so then i finally had the bright idea oh i'm going to super glue it together so i spent the last 45 minutes trying to super glue it together and it wasn't really drying so I just held it together and then I had the broad idea of putting more super glue on the top part of it, which made the entire section wet again. So then I had to basically hold it even longer because it wasn't dry at that point. And then I finally had the broad idea of putting something under a portion of it. So now it's drying by itself. I don't actually have to hold it. So it took me a while, but I finally figured it out. As far as this episode goes, this is going to just be, I think, an observation type podcast. This is, I think, week three almost in Japan. Really crazy how fast time has gone by so far here. Not really a fan. Last time I spoke with you all, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life going forward because, like I said, I was going towards the end of my travels and I finally decided to book a plane ticket home to the U.S. I'm going to stay here in Tokyo the full three months. And that plane ticket, oh man, I think, it, what was it, $860 for January 2nd? Obviously, the timing's not the greatest with going home during the New Year's, so that adds to the ticket price. It's funny how booking tickets weigh in advance, how just how much cheaper they are. When I went to London, which was my original destination, I think the ticket was something like $180, which is absolutely insane because that's an eight-hour plane flight, or that's an eight-hour flight. That, I think, is probably my cheapest ticket that I've had so far, and that's because I booked it three months in advance, I think, so... That's one of the negatives about traveling the way I do where everything isn't planned out. I kind of just go with the flow and sometimes you just got to eat the cost if you can't do anything about things, if things are out of your control. And I have to leave Japan by January 2nd. That's the last day I can actually be in the country. So that's the day I'm leaving. What else have I done? I haven't done much this week. A lot of eating. I'm trying to get all the different Japanese meals out of the way. I've done everything now except for sushi and gyozas and then tonkatsu, which is basically fried pork. So I have those three left. 
I think so far, if I was to rank everything for people, Japanese barbecue is definitely number one. And then I wasn't really a fan of the shabu shabu. That's hot pot where you put in the meat in this hot pot of water and it cooks everything. You put vegetables in as well. It was pretty good, but it was all you can eat. And I ate so much that I just really am kind of over it. And I thinking about it kind of disgusts me because of how much I ate. Don't know if I'll be going back to shabu shabu anytime soon, but the Japanese barbecue, I could do that any day. Udon noodles is be are better than soba noodles. Personal opinion had udon noodles for the first time today, so those are definitely better. And then what else? Is that everything? What am I missing? Ramen. Not a huge fan of ramen. I don't know what the big deal is. It is pretty filling, but I don't know. It's not... It's nothing special in my opinion. I still have um, many places to go, I would think. That's one thing I need to start doing is I have all these places that I've watched, whether it's from Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown or I think Ugly Delicious. That's another show on Netflix. There's all these restaurants in Japan that are in Tokyo specifically that I've seen and I really want to go to them. So I need to start making my list. Went to Shibuya this week. Not a huge fan. I'd say that's probably the biggest tourist destination in all of Tokyo. The amount of people in that one location is just not fun at all. There's so many people. That's the famous place for those that don't know. There's a there's a crosswalk and it goes diagonally as well. And or like it makes an X basically, so you can cross from one corner to the opposite corner of the street. And so people usually will take an overhead shot of that where people are crossing. That's like a really famous photo to get in Tokyo. So I experienced that. And yes, there are a gajillion people. Definitely don't like Shibuya. I'm more of a Shinjuku person, I think. And then Ginza is really nice as well. That's not a lot of people. And that's kind of the wealthy area of Tokyo, like the really wealthy area. To compare it to Seoul, Myeongdong is like Shibuya where it's very heavily tourist or there's like a heavy influence of people visiting the country and then Ginza is like Gangnam where it's just a very nice wealthy area and there's not as many tourists so that's a lot better. I, it's interesting that really quick as I was listening to the episode for whatever reason my voice just instantly went from being normal to being robotic it sounds like when you put a voice changer on and you slow down your voice that's what my voice sounds like and no clue why that happened but it goes back to normal at the i think 21 minute mark or so so just a warning in a few seconds my voice is gonna change continue to listen bye guys the more and more i think about things how it all comes down to not having a lot of people in an area for me like to really like it i don't know why i think if, if that's old age maybe i'm becoming a grandpa who knows but that's definitely a big factor for me always is if there's a lot of people in a place or not one thing that's really been bothering me here is that they don't sell deodorant i don't think in tokyo i haven't found it anywhere yet and it is really really making me mad because i'm used to wearing deodorant i guess people in freaking japan don't wear deodorant i really i just don't understand it 
they have the deodorant like they have the spray but that stuff's so crappy and it smells terrible i was able to find this kind of mint spray at the store that smelled pretty good and i don't think it has a bunch of crap in it so i've been using that but it's not it's just not the same as a deodorant stick man why they don't sell them here i it's beyond me but i'd say that's one complaint so far i guess that's not the worst thing in the world right if that's all you have to complain about then you're probably doing it right also don't like once again there's no trash cans really anywhere that i don't understand you think with a place like in a in a city right if there's no trash cans anywhere you think there'd be more litter you wouldn't think that there'd be less because Tokyo's pretty spotless everywhere I've been so far. And it just doesn't really make sense to me that people wouldn't litter when there's no trash anywhere or no trash cans anywhere. Really doesn't make any sense to me. Also learned today, there's a bunch of train train carts or whatever that um, I noticed this morning. They say women only so the train carts they're for women only from the t the first train in the morning until 9 30 a.m and i found out the reason why is because of the insane rush hour in the morning that everyone's very close together in the trains and apparently the older men like to cup a feel with the women so Japan decided, hey, we're going to make these carts for women only during these times so that men aren't freaking groping them. I thought that was absolutely insane that that's actually a thing. Couldn't believe that. It really, it just blows my mind how conservative the culture is here. But at the same time, there's kind of a, I don't know, there's like a, not a pedophile, that's not the right word, but a, what, what's the word I'm looking for? A key, not a kinky i think it starts with the p as well pervert yes that's the word there's kind of a pervy there's an underlying pervy thing going on i feel like in japanese culture there's a lot of things that go on that on the surface you don't really think about but they're there so i thought that was absolutely fascinating uh learning that today so I've been thinking a lot lately because, as I mentioned last episode, I haven't really been doing much. I haven't been very productive, and I've really been trying to figure out why. A couple of thoughts I've been having or a couple of questions I've been thinking about. Why do I go to bed so late? And I've basically been going to bed at like 3 a.m. at the earliest pretty much every day since I've been here, and pretty much... The last half of my time in Bangkok was the same. And I really don't understand why I just can't go to bed early. I'm wondering if it's subconscious. Maybe because it's a lot more difficult being here. There's just a lot of things that are the pain in the butt to deal with. So far in Bangkok and then also even here in Tokyo, there's just a lot. And I'm wondering if that is making me kind of just a lazy bum and is sapping my motivation. And so that's why I'm not waking up or not going to bed early. And then I also finished my series, that book series. I finished the third book. It's all over now. I'm really sad, but it was really good. If you're into fantasy books, definitely check out 
the Mistborn trilogy. The last book was just, it was pretty masterful because you you have all these different things being set like hundreds of pages back, right? And like books one and two, and then they all start to weave together all these different things in the third book and all these things you didn't think were going to happen start to happen. And then the ending of the book was just completely out of left field. I had no idea that was going to happen. And I just was mind blown. Mind was blown. And I really enjoyed this series. I was pretty bummed out that it was over. But to read the series, I would stay up until six in the morning. I think I ended up finishing the book in three sittings. And when I finished it, it was, yeah, it was six in the morning. And there aren't many things I can do in my life where I'll literally like just stay up all the way through the night and be completely focused and completely engaged in something. And I'm really trying to figure out why books are like that for me and if that is something that can be drawn upon and used in other areas of my life so that's one thing I've been thinking about and then the sleep thing has not been good that's probably why I'm also sick again I, I can't think of anything else right it must be the sleep thing one thing I'm going to try to do because I think enough is enough and I need to make a decision or I need to change my ways. So one little sleep hack and if anyone out there struggles sleeping as well, you can do this. If you take apple cider vinegar, one to two tablespoons and you mix it in a glass of warm water. You can add honey if you want, if you can't stand the taste of the apple cider vinegar. But if you do that like an hour before you go to sleep, apparently it's supposed to make you extremely tired. And so it makes it a lot easier to fall asleep. And I've heard this from many different people. And if you look at the the anecdotal evidence slash the actual research... It does seem to be a pretty effective method for going to sleep. So I'm trying now, I'm trying to find the specific apple cider vinegar because there is one that you do want and it's really easy to get in the US, but it's not so easy in Tokyo. And that's just one of the many other things that's difficult, right? About being in a place that you're not used to. It's you don't have access to the things that you normally would have access to where you're from and you don't know where to get those things and sometimes they might not even have those things so the apple cider vinegar is called i think bragg's apple cider vinegar and it is unfiltered it's gluten-free and it has this stuff called mother in it i don't know why it's called mother that's the weirdest thing ever to me that it's called mother it's an ingredient where there's a bunch of beneficial ingredients that are all tied into this thing with this mother so that's the specific one that you should get don't just get apple cider vinegar because it's not all created equally and if you can't get brags then at least get an unfiltered apple cider vinegar because the filtered ones are not good so I'm going to try and order that. I can actually order on Amazon this this Bragg's one. So I think I'm going to do that. And I think I'm going to see if it helps me with my sleep. Because I need some miracle to force me to start going to sleep. Because I just can't do it myself. I can't do it. Maybe it also could be that I'm not looking forward to like my next day when I wake up in the morning. 
So when you're not looking forward to the next day, it makes it a lot harder to want to go to sleep. It's almost like you continue to stay up because you know that once you fall asleep, it's almost feels like instantaneous right when it's the next morning because you're not conscious really of time and so at least when you're staying up really late you're conscious of the time so it feels like it's going by a lot slower or it almost feels like you're avoiding the morning when you're really not it's just that you're conscious of the time passing so I think that is actually a thing and I actually experienced that working as well sometimes I, I, I would imagine people could probably relate to that if you don't like your job or something, you know, whatever it may be, you might stay up late just so you can escape, even though you're not really escaping. So that's something I've been thinking about as well. Another thing I wanted to talk about, like I said, I'm all over the place today. I apologize, but I've been looking at the episodes of the podcast and I've been looking at which ones have been the most successful. And if you were to ask me, what do you think would have been the most listened to episode? I would say the travel one with Rome, most likely the travel guide for Rome. And of course that is the most listened to episode pretty much by a landslide minus the first episode. And that makes sense because it's the first episode, right? So that usually gets listened to a lot. But what I've been noticing is the amount of listeners from episode to episode is pretty consistent, but it is a lot lower number than the like the earlier episodes, especially the travel episodes that I've done, like the travel guides. And it seems like the number for the travel guide to Rome, that one keeps going up slowly, I'm noticing, but I'm not really noticing any of the other episodes going up, like it's not the listener base right isn't go isn't getting higher really per episode it's kind of just staying consistent and so i think that's an issue or it is something that i realized would probably happen with this specific format i'm doing because it's providing value right if someone's looking for you know if someone's planning a trip to rome and obviously rome's a pretty popular destination so it would make sense that that episode would be the most popular but it's not like it's not like I'm really drawing them in to continue to listen to episodes because they're getting the value from the one episode. And then because this isn't necessarily a travel podcast, even though I think people think it's a travel podcast, it's more of a personal journal for those new listeners, if anyone's listening out there. Me just offering value and information, everything I'm experiencing, whether that's travel or whatever is to come in the future, I think that makes it really hard to continue to get or to continue to increase the listenership and I'm not really worried about that because this this podcast like I said it's not at the end of the day it's not meant to be listened to by hundreds of people or thousands of people when one day I hope that it will be but like I said it's it's just a journal it's something I can look back on and just when I'm you know when I'm old I'll have it to look back on and I can be like, oh yeah, that happened or that happened. The last episode too with the travel guide to Krakow, that hasn't really gotten much traction, which also makes sense to me because I don't think Krakow is a big destination for people to travel to, especially Americans, which is most of the audience I have, I would imagine is people from the U.S., 
Krakow is more of a place for just people from Europe in general. And there are a lot of places that are like that, which I find very interesting. For example, Bangkok was heavily Australian and English because the expat the expats are all from there. And there weren't many Americans that I met. And that's holding true as well. So far in Japan, it doesn't seem... It's mostly Europeans. And it's it was the same in Seoul also, to be honest. So yeah, not a lot of Americans, and and it really sucks because I was looking at the, for example, I was looking at getting a driver's license in Japan, and if you're a citizen of these European countries, there's a list of all these European countries. If you're a citizen of those countries, then it's really easy to get a driver's license. You can just take your driver's license you have in Europe and then get a international driver's license pretty easily. Like you don't have to really do anything for it. You just apply and you can get it. But if you're from the US, then you actually have to do a test to get the the international driver's license. You have to do some elaborate thing it's a lot harder to get it and you think that wouldn't be the case with the u.s but for whatever reason there's just all these benefits to being european next thing i wanted to talk about jake paul so there was a documentary series on jake paul and it ended a few days ago the final episode came out it was an eight-part series i don't know how it ended up being that long Every episode was 40 minutes to an hour, so that's just a lot of content, man. What I took away from this documentary by Shane Dawson, he's a YouTuber, pretty successful. I would say he's got 18 million subscribers, and that seems to be his style. I didn't know much about Shane before this documentary, but he seems to do a lot of documentaries on a bunch of different controversial slash popular youtubers so what he set out to discover in this documentary was if jake paul was a socio sociopath or not or is jake paul a sociopath it didn't really end up being about that i think as it went on it it more became about the things in jake's life that have been challenges and things that i think could kind of explain his behavior because he is a very controversial youtuber because of his wild lifestyle and a lot of the disrespectful things that he has done in the past whether that is being the hell on earth for his neighbors or spreading lies people from his team team 10 that's his like youtube squad that he controls and he gets a percentage of people like the youtubers a part of that team and they all live in the house and that's how they create content it's a long story but there's been people that have left the team and there's controversies with that so there's just all this controversy surrounding him and so a lot of that stuff was explained in the documentary because jake was actually interviewed and people he is close to or has been close to in the past were interviewed as well so it was a lot of eye-opening things that were coming out and one of the big ones which can really explain a lot of Jake's content because it is very wild and crazy and it's really centered around pranks and just being a wild crazy person because he has a really young audience and he caters to that young audience. So what we come to find out in the documentary is that all of his content is fake or it's planned in advance. It's basically scripted, right? Like everything he does, all the wild and crazy stuff he does to his roommates or they do together, it's all scripted and they know it's going to happen. It's just basically them just acting like they didn't know it was going to happen, which makes total sense because I think if you're older, 
you're gonna know that it's probably fake but when you're a little kid it seems real i guess they know now that it was all fake i think it's fascinating because that is one of the the dilemmas on social media and i've talked about this a little before in previous episodes but on youtube or instagram in general there's this sense of always trying to one-up yourself always trying to be better always trying to do crazier things and if you're a channel especially where you're doing outrageous stunts or you're living a lifestyle of of glamour there's this pressure to always continue to like do crazier or more wild things or like to show off more and more wealth there's this pressure that you create for yourself because people constantly are expecting more and what you were doing before isn't enough anymore I think that's one of the major pressures that YouTubers or content creators in general face, and that's something that people struggle with, and that's something I've recognized could be a potential problem, but it makes sense to me why he's become so controversial controversial, or why he hasn't made the best decisions. Logan Paul, who's Jake's brother, is another example. If anyone doesn't know, he put a video up visiting the suicide forest in japan and he put up a video of someone he showed the person that committed suicide that was already dead like he showed it in the video and that was a huge controversy at the beginning of the year i think i've also talked about that but logan talked about how like you do crazy and crazier stuff and you're always trying to push the envelope right and so he it's like you it's like you lose your sense of what's right and wrong and what's going too far and then you do something like that where it's poor judgment because you're trying to always one-up things and you're trying to create that shock value and then something like that happens that's the danger with i think social media in general and it was just a good i think warning and that's something i think if you're trying to be a content creator it's something you have to constantly be aware of so you don't lose sight of who you are and what your values are you might think of things in terms of black and white for specific things but in this social media world where it's all about the clicks it's all about the likes it's all about the ad revenue it's really easy for that black and white to slowly turn into gray and then it's harder to tell what's considered right or what's something that you normally wouldn't do that maybe you would do now and another great example of what recently happened i think it was two weeks ago was the conor mcgregor versus khabib fight where Connor was seen as very controversial in this fight because in the in the build up leading up to the fight and the build up leading up to the fight that's funny that doesn't make any sense but yes leading up to the fight Connor was really going after Khabib on a personal level for anyone that doesn't know Connor McGregor I'm sure you've heard the name but he's a UFC fighter and he's known for being a very charismatic funny really good trash talker and if you've followed his career like I have as his career has gone on and as he's become more popular and as he's had more more and more success it's almost like with his trash talk leading up to the fights and just his overall demeanor he has to keep pushing the envelope and keep doing crazier and crazier things and there's more expectations right so i feel like over time he's forced things and you can really see it when he beat after he beat jose aldo to win the featherweight uh championship belt after that happened his fights after that whether it was uh fighting floyd mayweather or fighting eddie alvarez for the lightweight championship and then now fighting khabib this a uh, few weeks ago you can really see how he's really just a completely different person when it comes to his 
trash talking leading up to the, the build to the fight back when he was coming up it was there was almost a magic to him where he would come up with these really witty one-liners and his responses were always on point his comebacks were always on point it was just a very magical thing to watch him in interviews and watch him interacting with the people he was fighting before the fight and no one did it but no one does it better than him he's probably the best at it by far even to this day and he still is the best at it don't get me wrong but you can definitely tell he probably feels pressure to be better and just more ruthless and he feels like he has to build the fights even more and things have to keep getting bigger and bigger right because you're always chasing the the bigger pay-per-view numbers or you're always chasing making more and more money or you're chasing new achievements and so a lot of the 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 trash talk and the things he said it's it's almost cringy to watch it now because it's not how he used to be and you can like i said there's definitely a factor in there where he's forcing things and especially with this fight versus khabib he was attacking his his dad he was attacking his country where he's from and he was just getting really personal which he's never done before but on the other hand he had the biggest fight in ufc history with khabib like it ended up being i think estimates are 2.4 million pay-per-views which is absolutely insane it kills the record i think the record was 1.6 million which connor also held before that for the biggest pay-per-view of all time but this one was 2.4 and it was because of all the the things surrounding it all the storylines and the 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 fact that this fight was so personal the question that really comes to mind is well it's like you're kind of in a way it's almost like you're selling your soul you might be making more and more money whether you're jake paul or you're conor mcgregor you're getting more views you're making more money you're getting these grand achievements but at the same time it's like the person you were before you had all of that it's like you're a different person and i don't know necessarily if they think they are going against who they are and if they're going against their morals or what they think is right and wrong whatever it may be but i don't know if there's the self-awareness where they know they're they've changed and maybe they know they've changed but they feel such a pressure to perform or be this person that people want them to be right it's like you're playing into the character slowly the character becomes who you are as a person like in real life and that's something people talk about with connor how maybe this character he's created for the fight promotion in this ufc world maybe that's who he's actually becoming in real life and that's why he's having so many problems whether it was you know throwing the the dolly the, the infamous dolly through the bus window trying to get Khabib to come off the bus to fight him before this ufc fight ever happened or running into the octagon after a fight and pushing with the referee after one of his friends won or the other controversies there have been with him so it's just really interesting and i don't think anyone can really know how they'd react most people would say that they wouldn't sacrifice their values or they wouldn't change as a person if they received a ton of fame right or they pursued this career in social media or whatever it may be but i feel like if you actually felt the pressure of of all the success you've had and like constantly having to one-up yourself and make things bigger and bigger i wonder how many people would actually change or those values aren't as big of a deal anymore. I don't think that's an answer you really can have until you're in that situation. But I think that's something to always be aware of. And that's why it's also important to be surrounded by people that can actually tell you 
when you're messing up and not, you're not being surrounded by yes men. And I think that might be the moral of this: these two stories with Connor and Jake. They don't really seem to be surrounded by people that are actually telling them when they're doing something wrong. It seems like they're surrounded by a bunch of yes men and they're they're just surrounded by people along for the ride. And in a way, they're being taken advantage of because the people mooch off of their success. That's something I think was really fascinating about Connor is if you look at him leading up to everything when he was coming up in the UFC in the beginning, any type of video you'd see, any type of interview, it always would just be him usually and maybe his girlfriend, maybe his manager as well. But now it's like everywhere he goes, he has a posse with him, right? His group of friends. And these are friends that he's had forever, I think. Like he grew up with these people, but why are there people in the kitchen right now that freaking cooking? It's 12 o'clock at night and people are cooking. This is annoying. But yes, there's all these people now surrounding Connor and he has a posse everywhere he goes. And that seems to be the thing. Once you get huge success, right? All these people come out of the woodwork and they're there to get some of your shine. But that can be a bad thing because then you you have these people that are riding this wave with you and they don't want it to ever end. So they're not really willing to actually be helpful and tell you when you're messing up because they don't want to be kicked off of the wave, man. They want to be there for the whole journey. So I think it's important, one, to have the self-awareness of of like realizing there's that pressure if you're gonna do something whether that's you know becoming a professional athlete being a content creator becoming successful having people or having your job relying on people other people to watch you or interact with you or like having an audience relying on an audience for your living I think it's really important to have that self-awareness to know when things are getting out of hand. And then also on the other hand is to be have like a, a social circle of people that are actually going to tell you when you mess up. Definitely check that out on YouTube if you have not seen it because it is interesting to say the least. And then poor Connor, man. I don't know what he's going to do. It's funny because he's living the dream, man. He lost his UFC fight, but he just came out with his Irish whiskey and that thing is selling left and right. So I don't think he really needs to ever worry about fighting. I mean, he doesn't need to fight ever again because he already made $100 million fighting Floyd Mayweather. And now he has this whiskey. I can definitely see him being a billionaire off of this whiskey. I think George Clooney sold his brand that he had, or he at least is still owner of it. And then like just the valuation of it. But I'm pretty sure he sold it for a billion dollars or it is worth a billion dollars at this time. So pretty crazy what can happen if you have an alcohol brand that's really successful. You wouldn't think that, right? With George Clooney, like, dang. George, man, you've done good for yourself. Maybe that's it. Once you get famous, come out with alcohol. That seems to be everyone wants to do that. We'll see how Connor's Proper 12 Irish Whiskey ends up doing in the future. The goal is for him to take over the spot of Jameson as the most popular Irish whiskey in the game. With that, I leave you all. That is the end of the episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave a review. That would be wonderful. I have a lot of ideas in the future for more travel episodes, so I'm pretty excited to do those. I thought with today's episode, I kind of change it up and get back to just talking about things in general and things I've been thinking about because lately it's been a lot of travel episodes, and I definitely don't want it to just be travel, 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 even though 